0: There is a beautiful children's book of pen and ink drawings called A Day, a Dog by Gabriela Vincent. There are no words, but it is not a picture book for the faint of heart. It is basically the day in a life of a dog in sorrow. His family moves and he is left behind. He chases their car until he loses sight of them. A number of pages hold only the image of the abandoned dog, tongue out, panting, weaving in and out of traffic, sitting and looking. Whether he goes forward, backward, left or right, north, south, east or west, he is alone. It is a break your heart book. With the turn of each page, hope plummets As there is another picture of the abandoned animal. And no, the family does not come back in the end. No, there are not lots of nice people offering him food and water. As I said, it's not an easy read. And neither is today's scripture passage. For we are faced with a similar story. Job has lost about all one can lose, he's been arguing with his friends for 20 chapters swearing that he is innocent and has done nothing to deserve the anguish that has befallen him. This is a bold move because he lived in a world where they thought good things happened to good people and bad things happened to bad people. So Job must have done something wrong. He must deserve this punishment. But Job knows he does not deserve the pain. We know that Job did nothing wrong, and we know that God knows Job did nothing wrong. These layers of knowing add to the pain of listening to Job's heated anger and pleading with God to show up and explain what's going on. For if only Job could talk with God, he would prove that he did nothing wrong, God would agree, and God would make it all better. And once I am tested, I will be as pure as refined gold, Job says. If only Job could find God, if only they could meet and talk it out, if only God were not hiding. If only I knew where to find the Almighty so I could approach the judgment seat. But if I go east, God isn't there. If I go west, I find nothing. When God is working up north, I can see no one. When God turns south, I don't even catch a glimpse. God is nowhere to be found. And this faithful servant of the Lord is at a loss. It reminds me of an old beautiful prayer and invocation that I know we're all familiar with. Come by here, Lord, someone is praying. Kumbaya. Now, kumbaya has come to be a shorthand for dismissing the weak, the fluffy, the other. We hear it from politicians, it's in our culture. But it used to mean something quite powerful. It's an African-American spiritual from the Gullah language that was developed on the Georgia Sea Islands off the coast of the Carolinas. It has been a song that brought great strength and hope to people who were enslaved and for those living in the pain and suffering of Reconstruction and Jim Crow. It once gave strength to civil rights leaders and marchers as they sang with arms linked in protests. Come by here, Lord. Someone's crying, my Lord, come by. Someone's praying, Lord, come by here. Life's really hard. Come by here. Be more present. Be more obvious. And Lord, hurry up. We need you. Come closer. Kumbaya. This calling out to God, asking God to be real and present and be quick about it, these are faith-filled desires and emotions. They are real, they are normal, and they tend to be discounted in our culture. For somewhere along the way, we Christians decided that faithful meant rushing through the deep, dark pain and jumping right into the light. Frequently, when we are faced with great pain in our lives or the lives of someone we care about, we have one of two reactions, ignore or fix. And if we want to fix the pain and make it all go away, one of the easiest ways is to jump from the pain right into the joy and the silver lining. I'm reminded of the well meaning yet painful things people sometimes say to each other while trying to comfort someone who's in pain. God has a plan. God never gives us more than we can handle. He's gone to a better place. Or, I know how you feel. These phrases can be off putting to those experiencing abandonment and grief. How can Job believe in God's plan? When he's not sure God is even paying attention. If God is paying attention, Job is truly terrified, for what kind of God is he following? Too much to handle. Everyone has limits in body, mind, and soul. A better place? Prove it. And we cannot ever really know how another person feels. Not really. The problem is that when we say these types of things, we, like Job's friends, are talking about God and trying to fix the situation. We are jumping ahead to a time when someone might be able to say, yes, God was definitely leading me through this. There was a plan. But we are jumping ahead to when that person is out of the valley and can look back with a sigh of relief and take stock when what the suffering person actually needs as a friend to be present to their emotions in the dark night of the soul, someone who will be with them in the valley, which is where they are. Sometimes the best words of comfort in Scripture to offer the lonely and suffering are not words of cheer or joy, because sometimes the best words we can hear are the words of one who knows what it is to question faith. And our Scriptures, just like our lives, are full of verses crying out to God. The psalmists, the prophets, the priests, even Jesus himself, knew what it was to rage at God, to shake their fists, and to raise their voices in a challenge, and to call God to account. The scriptures know nothing of a passive, just-accept-God's-will kind of faith. Rather, a deep and committed trust in the promises of God, give legitimacy to an honest, passionate, and faithful dialogue with God in the midst of life's pain and grief. For those who put their trust in God know that God has made promises to protect and provide. And they also know what it is to feel that God has failed in keeping God's promise. And the voices of Scripture were unafraid to bring their anger and disappointment to God in prayer. For this is the tradition of lament, or a third way to deal with life's pain. Laments are characterized not by speaking about God. Rather, it is the practice of speaking directly to God, crying out, complaining, reminding God to take care of us. God, where are you? My God, why have you forsaken me? God, I am still bitter in my complaints. If only I knew where to find you. so I could approach the judgment seat. For part of lamenting is also trusting that God will hear us. And as long as we are questioning, there is hope that God will respond. A friend or deacon or pastor who has walked through dark times themselves can often help hold the space of questioning for us. For loss is the way of life. It is a human experience, and no amount of faith or trust will keep loss away. When God is silent... We need others who can come alongside us, friends to show us the way because they too have argued with God and know the power of lament. Now the last page of the book of The Abandoned Dog, the dog does meet a young boy with a smile on his face, which brings a little hope to this reader for a good ending, a new beginning. And eventually... In our story, God answers Job, but is not the answer that Job was looking for. God does not answer his questions or justify God's seeming inaction. Rather, a new, much more complex understanding is born. And isn't that what happens during the dark nights and the painful times of life? We come out on the other side a little changed. And whatever we thought we knew about God changes and grows too. For sometimes there are silver linings, and we have, but we have to get ourselves time to process and get through the pain first. I heard a story about the faculty of Luther Seminary in Minnesota who, after World War II, invited a refugee, Dr. Johansen Rosenthal, to join their faculty to teach New Testament. The professor was from Latvia, had survived the World War, a refugee camp, and finally made it to the United States. Soon after he arrived, his wife died. And the trauma and tragedy was too vivid, and he lost his faith. He walked into the seminary president's office and resigned. How could he keep teaching without faith? God was silent and he wasn't sure God was ever coming back. The seminary president, Alvin Rognes, said he did not accept the resignation. Instead, he said, you keep teaching, and we will believe for you. The president knew, as many of us do, that there may be long nights of the soul. There are times in our lives when God is silent and seems out of reach. We look all around us and we do not see God or any trace that God is real, let alone compassionate and worthy of praise. But this is part of faith. Loss is part of life. And God can seem silent and far away. But God wants to be in relationship with all of us, all parts of us, and especially when times are tough and all we can do is shake our fists. Thanks be to God for communities who help us walk through dark valleys and painful silences, who help us cry out, who pray kumbaya with us, and who fill the loving gap when God is silent but not forsaken. Amen.